You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. We are back in the saddle again. Jay Teresi, welcome to the podcast this morning, once again, early on a Friday. How's it going? Good, going good today. Uh, taking my oldest off to college today, our, our first one. So, you know, got a lot of change in the house. And speaking of college and speaking of the broadness of our audience, Jay, you and I were just looking at the statistics. I want to give a shout out to our listeners in the United States, in the UAE, Jay, in Cameroon, in Australia, in Canada. You know, we are approaching now almost 3,000 views, which is a big deal for two dudes in a basement just talking through what it's like to rediscover our biblical manhood. So big shout out to our listeners and thanks for sharing this with your friends. Yeah, I just hope that our musings and conversations with each other that others are listening in on has been somehow helpful in their walk with God and in their pursuit of biblical manhood. So that's what we're going to keep doing. We're just going to keep talking with each other as we pursue our own road towards biblical manhood. And hopefully if this is helpful to anybody, that's that's just a blessing. Today, we have a very interesting conversation that you and I have been marinating in all week. I've been thinking about the goat. You've been thinking about the poser, Jay. And so uh, let's jump in. I think that the maybe we should start with some truth and, and a little prayer, maybe some prayer and then a little truth as to, as to what spurred this conversation. So let me pray, and then I'll let you read a couple of verses that we've been talking through, and then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, thank you for the listeners. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we ask that you come to us now. As we pause and we just reflect on our week, Lord, just have our hearts open to hear your word. And we ask that we use this word and that your spirit can come through Jay and I uh, into this word to discuss what it is that you would have us choose to do as biblical men. We say this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we were talking about Mark, the book of Mark, and this shows up in some other synoptics as well. But right around Mark 9, Chapter 9, verse 30 through 36 or so. The context is the disciples had been trying to cast out a demon and they were unable to, and Jesus had to come in and do it. And they were like, what happened there? And he was talking about only this one can come out by prayer. So, you know, Jesus was, they weren't catching on to what he was talking about. And then he started talking right after that about how he's going to get betrayed and, and, and be crucified. And they're not following that either. And then they start walking home. Because, you know, this is, they walk everywhere they go. So there's no, there's no Uber, I guess, maybe a donkey, you could call a donkey, but <laughs> they're, um, they're walking home and Jesus is ahead of them on the road. They're walking as a group. And if you ever get to watch The Chosen, which is a fantastic show, if you haven't started watching The Chosen, you got to watch it. They actually do a pretty cool job of showing these roads in the ancient world and how many people are walking on them. It really looks like a freeway. Like. People are just walking back and forth, you know, and so Jesus is probably with somebody else a little bit ahead of the main group of disciples, but they're having a conversation and they get home and Jesus is like, now he already knew, but he's like, Hey, what were you guys talking about on the road? And they don't want to say anything because what they have been talking about is, Hey, which, which among us is the greatest, which one of us is the greatest disciple, the most powerful, most faithful follower of Jesus. Um, so they were pretty embarrassed. He was calling them out. And that's the context for the conversation. What leads men 
who are traveling with the Son of God. They're seeing the actual kingdom of God alive in their presence, working miracles, people being saved, the world being transformed. And yet they still fall into this petty discussion about, hey, which one among us is the greatest? And obviously, they're pretty embarrassed when they get called on it. But it's just so interesting. How could men in that situation who are, because, you know, I fancy myself and Chica, I think you do too. If we were traveling around with Jesus, we would not be arguing about who is the greatest. We'd be participating in the work mm. humble before God, right? Mm. And these dudes are like, which one of us is the best? So that's, uh, that's the context for this conversation we began to have, which took us back to some teaching by John Eldridge, where he really leans in on this idea of men hiding. He calls it the poser. And the poser is such an incredible concept. And I love that you and I spent a lot of time last year really walking through this with, with men in our local community. And, and it was circled around two questions, how every boy that's a man, every boy inside the man has two core questions. The first one is, does my dad love me? And then the second one is, and this is more worldly or outwardly or externally looking, do I have what it takes? And so the the, the sentiment behind that is how have these questions, you know, does my dad love me and do I have what it takes? How do these questions um, shape us into the men that we are today? And so that we need to continue as we reflect on those questions, be honest about the poser, as Jay just said, or the mask or the hat that we wear in certain situations that we construct to, um, to basically name it, call it out, to face it, turn and, and really look at it as if we're looking in a mirror. And then to lay it down to search for our deep and, and genuine strength that's potentially inside us. Yeah, I think, you know, this this is probably pretty controversial in the way, you know, where the world is now. But if you look back and you try to understand why did God create men and women? What is the point of marriage? What is the role of the father? What is the role of the mother? They're different, equal, but different. And one of the roles of a father, whether it's a son or a daughter, fathers really bestow. And one of the roles of a father, mothers play this role as well, but it's just so powerful. It's such a powerful primary role of a father, which is to bestow identity. And it's interesting, you know, when you see someone who's raised by a strong father, who's well-grounded, ethical, and really teaches them, rarely do you see children that get, get off track in their life. But if you go visit our prisons or if you go visit people who are struggling with their life, so often you can trace it back to absent fathers or violent fathers or fathers who were there but not really there. The, the father wound, which is not just a concept mm. of John Eldridge. It's a huge concept across a lot of um, not only Christian circles, but even in secular circles that these wounds we have from our father that throw us off. Right. Because if you're if your dad looks at you and says to you, you have what it takes. If he looks at his daughter and says, you are lovely, you have what it takes, like this thing happens inside of our souls. And so when that's missing, when you haven't had that kind of foundation, you're seeking it all the time. And the poser comes out of that because no matter where you're at, you're trying to put a mask on to the world to show I do indeed have what it takes. And for men, this becomes very powerful, hiding behind the mask of the poser. If we come back to the text, Jay, this is such a such a big topic. We could probably spend eight episodes just talking about poses and where we do that at work, in life, on the street. I think of a clip I saw yesterday in Times Square where I just saw so many diverse personalities walking around and I go, huh, 
I wonder what their father said to them to cause them to be to leave. But I don't want to start the judgment game, right? And it's it's so easy for us to sit back in our in our armchairs and look around and try and solve why the world is the way the world is because of daddy problems or broken families or or doing the same. But if we come back to the Copernicum verse that you were just speaking through, they came to Copernicum in verse um, nine thirty three. And when Jesus was in the house, he turned back to the disciples and said, why were you arguing on the road? But, comma, the disciples kept quiet because on the way they had been arguing about the goat, the greatest, who is the greatest amongst them in front of Jesus. And so, Jay, help me unpack that real quick. Why would the disciples, when asked by Jesus what they were talking about, be quiet? Well, I mean, I think they were embarrassed. You know, they know. So not only is Jesus the son of God and all these other things, but he's a rabbi. And part of following a rabbi is you do what they do. You act the way they act. Okay, Jesus never acts in that way. And so they, they're called out and they know it. So they're not saying anything because they're like, uh, and you know, we were, we were talking about this offline, Chica, about that's incredible. These guys are traveling with the son of God. And, you know, like they're just acting like total kids. And, and they're missing the point. They're missing the entire point of the kingdom of God, of the work of Christ in the world, of what's going on, of what he's teaching them. They're completely missing the point. And Jesus actually uses this moment to really introduce us to the, to the concept of what life in the kingdom is like. I love that you say that they were acting like kids, kind of immature and maybe a little embarrassed because the next verse, verse 35, goes into saying, Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and a servant of all. And then in 36, he goes on to say, Whomever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not wel just welcome me, but also the one who sent me. So it's interesting that you say, Jay, that they were acting like kids because he then comes around with the kid as the center of the example. Yeah. And when we say they're acting like kids, you know, they're kind of acting like punk kids. And, you know, they're being punks and he calls them out on it. But this is really powerful. And, you know, for me, this sums up the entire difference between the worldview of Jesus and sort of the worldview we live in within Chica of, you know, me, me, me. I mean, my gosh, I was scrolling LinkedIn last night and I'm like, I just can't even stand how much me there is. Like people are this and that. It's so overwhelming. Um, and what's happening is people are, I'm being so vulnerable. And then, you know, 10,000 people, and I like you and comment, you go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the need for validation is so powerful because so many people were not validated by their father. Mm. They're seeking that validation out in the world now mm. in so many ways. It's literally like the most prominent feature of our culture here in the United States. And, and Jesus says, hey, you want to be first in the kingdom? You want to sit at my right hand? You want to be the man? You want to play the man in the kingdom of God? Yeah, you be the servant of all. And if you're doing this in an authentic way, he's not talking about the fake way. Like so many people then, you know, in our culture would twist that and they go, I'm going to serve everybody. Look how great I am. And everybody go, you're so wonderful. Like, you know, like, 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 like. <laughs> yeah, Jesus is saying authentically, set yourself aside and pour out my love on everybody you meet. And you think about it, whoever welcomes a child like this into my kingdom, like, this idea of humility, the first are actually last and servant of all. And Jesus is introducing us here to the fruit of the spirit. They are patient. They are kind. They are loving. They are not self-seeking. 
right? This is 1 Corinthians 13. This is the fruit of the Spirit. They are disciplined. They are serving others, not from a place of ego, not to show the world, look how humble I am. Mm. But actually, authentically, the kingdom of God, the greatest in the kingdom are those who step aside from their own needs and say, how can I help you? How can I love you? How can I support you? How can I pray for you today? And they really mean that. They're not looking for glory. They're not looking for satisfaction. In fact, most of those kind of people, you'd be hard pressed to understand just how many ways they're serving. Because like Jesus says, they don't let their right hand know what their left hand is doing. These are the people that would never post what they've done. Isn't it ironic? I know that we've had offline conversations as well. And I'm sure for the listeners that whether you're in a stage of life that you're still growing through the teenage years into the kind of mid-20s, or you are well past there and you have kids that are growing into their mid-20s, Jay, we've talked about how, isn't it ironic in, in the US culture, at least in this service culture, in this Christian culture, I will go on a mission trip. My son will go on a mission trip. My daughter... And then as soon as they come back, here I am posting to the world about how they're going to go serve the needy in another part of the world, which I exclusively sponsored with the thousands of dollars to get them over there. And then I'm bragging about it. It's almost like a humble brag. Yeah, I think the humble brag is a good one. And this is this leads you to, to the poser. And so Chica, you and I have been actively working to try to kill the poser in our lives for over a decade. And And what's interesting is you know, my, my poser used to come out everywhere, even in my marriage. I mean, it was just... Yeah, do you, do you mind if I ask what your poser was? Oh, boy. I don't, that's a long list of different posers I had, the masks I wore in all the different contexts. Um, you know, I'll tell you where he comes out the most now. So I, he doesn't come out in my marriage anymore. He doesn't come out in my fatherhood. Uh, he doesn't come out in my friendships for the most part, especially not my close friendships. But I have to watch for him, you know, as I'm meeting new people. He still comes out at work. And, and interestingly enough, the way he comes out, uh, which disappoints me, but I'm still working on it, is that there's still, in fact, I was just reading about this this morning in My Utmost for His Highest, but there's still this part of me that wants credit for things. And, oh, interesting. And that's where the poser can come out. And generally, it's tied to something happening. And I want to, Generally, it's tied to a certain, a certain result is not happening at work, but I know I'm working hard behind the scenes and things are happening. They're going to cause that result to happen, but I want the bosses to know I'm doing it and I want credit for doing it. And I don't want the pressure of, but why aren't you delivering the financial results or whatever? And the poser will come out. Hey, can you see all the hard work I'm doing? Like, mm. can you see what I'm doing? Can you see how great I am? Like, and I'll, you know, I'll fake it. I'll start to use bigger words when I'm talking. I'll um, start to... Uh, embellish a little bit on the results we are getting based on rather than just humbly saying these are the facts this is what we're doing about it this is why i have confidence that these are the right things it is difficult right now it's going to be difficult for 60 more days um we're not going to make profit this month but here's why and here's what we're doing i try to do those things but i hear him still in the echoes of how i'm presenting those things whether it's to my board or my team that's where he mostly comes out still today and I'm pretty in tune to him. So, you know, I'll take myself back to the office and, and, and write myself up. <laughs> but, you know, like, um, but it, it is, I do find myself reflecting at the end of days. I have a long drive home now in my new role. And, you know, there's just times where I'm like, man, why did, why did he come out there? And that, that drives me back into introspection to ask Jesus, like, what, where was I missing you in that God? I didn't bring you into that moment, Jesus. Mm. I brought only myself and my poser. So that's where he pops out for me today. I don't know where he pops out for you today. Yeah, I love that you give your poser a PIP, a performance improvement plan. 
but the the key part there is you swivel around and you ask for Jesus. There was a couple of things you said that stood out on my side. I even caught myself last night, Jay. <clears throat> I've been um, on the West Coast on Zoom calls, even though I'm sitting on the East Coast right now. And so therefore, it spills into the evening. So last night, I took my computer to finish up as they were having the group meeting and I was on mute. I was up in the kitchen and my daughters walked past and they said, Dad, 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 can you help me take? And I was like, can you not see that I'm working? Like here I am in my own living room working hard for this family. I'm like, oh, what was that? It just spilled out because I was tired from staring at the camera all day. No, yeah. there's there's plenty of poses that I've used over the years. I think one of the biggest one ones was um, because I have a different accent, because I am a little different in a different country now as a foreigner, but now a national, um, I think I, I leveraged that a lot. And so just using and leaning into, well, I could play naivete because I am not from here, but now I'm here. I'm like, that doesn't work anymore, bro. You got to put that to the side. And I think, so let's talk about that as we're nearing the end. How, how do we identify the poser and how do we start asking questions? You know, when one of the first, Second Corinthians 5.17 is so powerful because it says anyone who is in Christ is a new creation and gets a new heart. And the old man is gone and the new man has arrived. But what stands between us and the old man, the new man and the old man, is the poser. And mm. so the, the reality, the challenge on this side of the veil, right, while we're, still, while we're still walking in this realm, is we actually have to look for him every day. We have to put the old man to death every single day and allow the new man um, who is in Christ to flourish. And so beginning to ask yourself this really hard question, and it is a really hard question, okay, where are my posers? Why do they show up there? What agreements have I made? What wounds from my father or my mother or a friend or a sibling or someone at work? What wounds am I covering? You got to go back in your life. Why does this poser exist? Why is he here? And whether that's in the context of your marriage, your fatherhood, your friends, you know, how are you with your friends? Is it a true friendship? Could you really be raw and honest with your closest friends? Or is there posing going on there? Uh, how are you at work? And do you? And is there a different version of you mm. for each area of your life? That's a that's where you can start honing in on the poser. Because one of the things about truly authentic people is you they they kind of are who they are everywhere. They're wise, you know. They wouldn't tell somebody they don't know a dark secret about them, but they just are who they are. What you see is what you get everywhere. I love that. <clears throat> I think for our listeners, if you were to open up Proverbs this week. And if you were to start to read an entire page, two pages of Proverbs, and pull out the word sinner and stick in the word poser, that might oh. bring to life real quickly where it is in your different shades of life that you are putting up a front instead of authentically living out who you are. Oh, I like that exercise. I, I'm afraid to go do it. Um <laughs> I'll tell you this. One of the most authentic people I know is my wife. I've known her for 31 years now. I met her when she was just barely 14 years old. And Kelly has always been who she is everywhere in all contexts. And because I know her better than anybody, and I've seen her in every situation you can pretty much possibly see a human in, I know that. That when people go, oh, I, and, and people are drawn to her in my observation in ways because she just is who she is. I've admired it for so long. And and the best part about it is she has no idea that's how she is. That's awesome. And, it, and if, you, if you said something to her, she would go, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and I think, you know, you don't want to strive for authenticity. You can't. The, the question is, 
And Chica, you and I wrestled that with this. Funny, actually, and maybe that's where we spill into next week. How do you intentionally be authentic? It's almost like, how do <laughs> right. I pose my way to authenticity? That's great. Well, here's a good place to start. Who are you actually? Because Oof. one of the challenges, and Chica, you and I had to tackle this a decade ago when we started pushing into this. When I started pushing into this material and asking myself, I came to the conclusion of, I don't actually know who I am. Who is the authentic Jay? I actually have no idea because I had been posing so long and so hard everywhere in my life, I was posing to myself. So ask yourself, here's maybe a good exercise as along with the Proverbs, and maybe just get a notepad. I would invite you to just get a notepad out and just write down, who, who am I? Do I remember the seven-year-old version of myself? What did I love? What did I dream about? Who am I? Do I actually know who I am? And we are definitely going to roll this into next week because I've thought of three or four other things we can unpack, Jay. So thank you to our listeners. Have a great week. You've got your two exercises and we will pick it up next time on the podcast.